The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown! 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 Georgia! Now, here are your host, two-time All-American punter, Drew Butler. Drew Butler, leader in the country in punts 49-plus. See if he booms this one. He does. Wow. And Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and SEC championship winning quarterback, Jake Fromm. Lee Flicker to get the night started. Downfield looking for Godwin. Into his hands. And guess which dogs are barking first. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly, I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. The cornballs get stolen. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined alongside my co-host, Jake from... Jake has one more preseason game left for the Washington Commanders, so yes, he's busy. He will be back, joined by a very, very special co-host tonight, though, leading up to week zero of the 2023 college football season. None other than my man, Chris Marler. I will properly introduce Chris in just one second, but first, make sure you follow us on social media. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Jake is at From Jake. Chris is at Vern Funquist. Check out puntandpass.com, the number one destination for all things college football. And this week zero preview show of Punt and Pass is presented to you by none other than Prize Picks. That's right. You know them by now at Prize Picks on Twitter and Instagram, prizepicks.com. Download the Prize Picks app, the new look app, and use the promo code PUNT, P U N T, PUNT. You get a 100% deposit match. Up to your first $100, the best daily fantasy game on the market right now, and the first college football board of the season. Chris, it's live. I'm looking at it right now. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, they're playing Navy in Ireland on Saturday. His total passing yards over under 260 and a half. Caleb Williams taking on San Jose State, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. His total passing yards, 270 and a half passing yards. You're going to go over. You're going to go under. I got a couple of others that I'm going to shout out later on in the podcast. But okay. download the new look prize picks app right now. It's sick. Proud of the guys over there. Shout out prize picks. Download the app. Use the promo code PUNT. You get a 100% deposit match up to your first $100. Make this college football season your most profitable with prize picks. Promo code PUNT. All right, Chris. Um, Saturday Down South, the Saturday Football Uncensored podcast from Saturday Down South at Vern Funquist on social media. And let me just say this, okay? okay. You're you're like my favorite college football media member. I'll just say it. You're funny. You're smart. Uh, you don't take yourself too seriously. You like to mix it up. 
I like the shit you put out there. So you're my favorite. I mean, I'm talking Cole Kubelik, Josh Pate, Paul Feinbaum. Look at that, how much I'm I mean, blushing right now. All these guys. You're number one uh, for me. So thanks so much for joining the podcast, man. How are you? I can't tell if you're being serious, but I appreciate it. I'm being dead serious. You know that. Come on that. now. I, I was I, I always get nervous when I do a Georgia show because like I I say it all the time. I I respect the shit out of this program so much and Kirby and the coaches. And obviously I have a lot of love for you and, and, and a lot of the other guys. Not as much for Aaron Murray right now, like physically in this moment, um, just because of some, <laughs> some quarterback rankings. But no, I mean, like, I think I really do respect Georgia so much this program, but I also know I, I'm very self-aware of what I do on Twitter. On a, I will say a semi-daily basis. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's, I mean, it's it's not, it's just my unstate, like my mental instability. So I appreciate you saying that. I'll tell the therapist that, that things are going well. Here's what I love about Georgia, and this is an SEC podcast, obviously mm-hmm. Georgia centric. We cover the biggest games of the week, yeah. each and every week. Um, I have come to just appreciate, and there there are a couple of Twitter accounts that I follow that are diehard Georgia fans who are just relentless. I mean, they're true bulldogs. If one person says they don't like red and black, dude, they sick, they grab on, and they don't let go. And I'm like, how do people have this much time? One, (laughs) but two, uh, they take it so seriously. I love it. That's the greatest thing about Georgia. So I'm sure you know some of these accounts Uh uh, because they love to mix it up with you. But I love that small subsector of social media. It's brilliant. I think that like it's so much fun because it's it's all because we love the same thing, right? Like, and, and listen, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I grew up in the state of Georgia. I always say this, like, you want like want to know how white trash I am? My first stepdad was a season ticket holder to Georgia, so like, so I would we would go to these games and stuff like that all the time. Like, I, I'm very familiar with UGA and and the fans, and I I said starting in like 2018, we could start seeing the wheels turning. That this was gonna happen, and it was like, yeah. man, y'all better. It's like, it's like, like doomsday prepping. Like you should, you should know that this is coming, like literally coming down the track, and like it, it's, it's gonna be miserable for everybody. But hey, man, they're the best program in the country. They're doing it better at every single level, from recruiting to like to on the field to development to the NFL. Than any other program, it's not really close. And and you know, it's, I'm excited for the season. So. You know, it should be exciting, and there's a lot to be desired from a scheduling perspective. Look, mm-hmm. out of their control, they were supposed to open with Oklahoma. Kirby has made it a point, as has the athletic department, to make their out-of-conference scheduling really tough. Um, it's not shaping up that way coming up this season, and probably for them, a fortunate situation by really being e- able to ease into the first month of the season. Yeah, I'll ask you, you if you're even worried about the South Carolina game in week three, which of which they'll be – 18 and a half point favorites, maybe even more than that. Um, but Carson Beck, the new starter, we're about to talk about Branson Robinson, who had a non-contact patella tendon rupture yesterday yeah. out for the season. Bummer for him. He was coming back from an injury that he got dinged up in on the spring. So will the running back room be maybe vulnerable throughout the season? Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. But you just mentioned recruiting and the yeah. depth. And look, it's no surprise. Kirby took the playbook from Nick Saban in Alabama. Right. He's implemented it at Georgia. He's a little bit younger. They got a little bit more juice. A little bit younger. Um, yeah. And here you go. Like this is the situation that you forecasted seven years ago. Well, it's, I think it's awesome too. I'll, going back real quick to the schedule because I feel like it's important to touch on this. Like, it's bad. It's, yeah, it's bad. Listen, Kentucky has the same schedule, of course. And we're not fun. talking about that. They're, they're going to get to probably nine or ten wins because of it. And we're not, that'll be a Cinderella story. The reason why, and, and listen, I, I grew up an Alabama fan. I think everyone knows that. 
I, I, I do my best to be as objective as possible. I will tell you right now, as a person that has watched the Saban dynasty and all that kind of stuff, the reason why people are getting on Georgia's schedule is not because this is, and I used to say this all the time about Bama and people get so mad. You don't want to see Bama play tougher games. You want to see Alabama lose. Alabama had a top nine or had a top seven strength of schedule in six of the last nine years, including number one in the country twice. Yeah. It's not their fault that they were beating whoever. Georgia played seven ranked teams a year ago and put up an average of 46.3 points per game in those seven games. Great point. They're, they're not scared of anyone. They, they're not scared of anyone. And, and like what really is happening is people look at that schedule and they're like, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. And they're going to skate through that. And like, that's not their fault. They tried to schedule Oklahoma. Yeah. We really think that a, a six and seven Oklahoma team from a year ago was going to challenge Georgia. Cause I don't like, it would have been fun to go to Norman, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I guess because it's not tornado season, but I mean, you know, Tiger King, I think, is still locked up, so there's not much to do there. <laughs> um, but I think that, like, when you look at this, when you look at the, the program itself, Georgia has built this, like, un, like I don't say unstoppable force because it's still early and they've had some close games, but people don't want to see Georgia play tougher competition. They want to see Georgia lose. And yeah. the bad news is for those teams, that's not happening anytime soon. It's just not. I, I totally agree. Um, and Kirby Smart said it as much when he was asked about it, I think, during SEC Media Day. Someone's like, what are your thoughts about the schedule? He goes, you come play it. Like, right. it, it, you come play it. We'll see how you guys do. Like, yeah, there's so much more focused on what they can control. And this is just simply something that they cannot. So, well, hold on what, real quick. You said yeah. Media Days, he said that? I think so. It was like right after media days. It wasn't during his, yeah. um, you know, monologue or whatever you want to call it. It yeah. was, it was in an interview afterwards, but you know, the, the questions were being asked and he was like, well, then you guys can play. Like, I don't know what you right. want me to say. So it just, I think it's interesting that he, he heard that question, but didn't hear. I, know. I mean, you got, I was okay. I'm sitting right here in my seat. So um, I was watching my TV on sec network. You picked up the mic. I was like, here's Chris's chance. Here you go. And I don't know if Kirby did a master class of completely. You think so? You think he heard you? He was like, I don't, I don't hear the question. You got that was a bad look. I'm just it was awful. It, it, it was, was a awful. bad look. And, you know, it sucked too. Maybe made it well, explain it like, for our listeners, please. Okay. The whole thing was so I had gone the year before and I and I asked the question about Brian Kelly and the and the accent before he had gotten beaten into the ground and it goes viral. Then I, I asked the question to Pittman about his schedule, but I prefaced it by saying, like, hey, by the way, you're 16 and six against the spread. Just wanted to personally say thank you. And he's yeah. like, yeah. Well, you know, and this is off. this is during the coaches' monologues, right. State of the Union, at right. their opening of SEC Media Days. Because my thing, my main thing is this. When you go to Media Days, it's the last chance you get to see them in a, like a less like buttoned-up environment. And and I, I didn't go to school to be a journalist. And I don't give a shit if that sounds bad to other people. If you want a big J journalist, and I don't think Georgia fans really want that because they have they fight with the AJC like I fight with my exes. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy. So like, yes, that's true. Yeah. So like the, my whole thing is I'm here to have fun. I'm here. To, like, I, I love this sport. Just like the fans. It's entertainment. Like, it's a, that's all it is. It's in, and like, you don't get that kind of access to them. And so my whole thing was going to be my serious question to Kirby is, dude, you, you have the number one recruiting class in the country, back-to-back natties. You have had more kids you put in the league in the first seven years than any other coach in modern college ball history. Is there anything that you feel like you can improve upon with all of those accolades i just mentioned and that was long-winded enough and then i decided to add on to it and be like by the way this guy next to me just said y'all going seven and five you're welcome ha ha and like he just fucking swatted excuse my language he swatted <laughs> he that did, thing dude. he did he did the second row man. and i what made it worse was 
I don't know if you followed along with what was going on with me trying to get there, but it was a nightmare travel. Oh, dude, I followed along. I mean, you could have walked to Nashville was- <laughs> and got there quicker than what you had yeah. to go through. But anyway, yeah, it was, but no, I, I, Kirby's right though, man. Like if you want to play the schedule, come play it. Cause I don't like, there's nobody, there's maybe three or four teams in the country that can go through that schedule and go through it unscathed. Like, I mean, imagine them playing a big 10 schedule. Yeah. I look, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, he was actually asked about that today. Uh, Kirby smart was about the seven and five thing from a year ago. And a reporter said, you know, I I'm paraphrasing, but the reporter said like, I don't want to call you a liar, but were you right. making up these fabrications? And Kirby is like, he looked at me. He's like, dude, I, I don't say that to my team. He's like, that doesn't right. work in our locker room. Like I don't go into our locker room and tell my players, people think you're going seven and five one, because it's not true Two, They don't care. He was like, they already right. listened to enough stuff on Twitter and social media. I don't have to motivate them with that. He said, quote, you know, maybe a game or two a year where I feel like we're getting a little bit of disrespect. Yeah. I'll lean into that, but it's not seven and five or whatever the hell no, well, some of these people were saying. We had like my, my good buddy and former co-host, uh, Connor O'Gara from SDS. He had Nolan Smith on his podcast like a couple months ago, and he admitted on the podcast. There's a clip of it on SDS Instagram where he was like, yeah, I made up the seven and five thing. Of and course. I was in the locker room. And like, here's the thing, too. It was dumb as shit when the kid said it on the field after the natty. Oh, so funny, dude. You're walking off so of a five to seven beat down in this natty. And he's like, y'all thought we were going seven and five. We're like, oh, collectively, we'd all like a word with you, sir. Yeah. But I mean, but like, yeah, like, like motivate yourself in whatever way possible. I, I it's, it's, it's in the locker room. You've been in the locker room. I've been in the locker room. It's, it's tough to stay motivated as an 18, 22 year old kid for that long. So yeah. I hats off to him. Absolutely. All right, let's get to some uh, topical news, and we'll stick on Georgia for a second because this is probably the biggest news around the SEC today as the official kickoff for most SEC teams next Saturday. However, Vanderbilt is in action this weekend with half their stadium under construction. The Hawaii Fighting Rainbow Warriors are coming to Nashville, so that will be a scene. But Georgia coach Kirby Smart comes out today and says running back Branson Robinson out for the year non-contact injury on Tuesday. He ruptured his patella tendon tough, tough for the running back room in general, Georgia, a little bit of an injury bug going around the roster right now. Some other starters are dinged up at the moment, but Kirby said it. This, this puts the running back position in a tough situation for Georgia heading into the season. Kendall Milton still dealing with a hamstring, a yeah. guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career at Georgia. Uh, Andrew Paul coming off an injury from last year. Dejan Edwards seems like he's going to be the guy at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts? More pressure on Carson Beck? Are you worried? Is this overblown? Is this going to be plug and play? Get another four or five star in there. So yes to all the above. You know, besides the part about it being concerning, um, we talked about the schedule, so I don't want to hone in on that, but it's like the schedule sets up nice. You guys should be fine. Uh, the South Carolina game is really the only test you have early. You could maybe say Auburn, and, and for whatever reason, I don't want to get into it, but outside of Florida, Kirby Smart doesn't hate anybody. Like, he hates South Carolina and Shane Beamer, so I, I'm yeah, not that, – that, that that does seem like something that's real, and I agree it with you It is very real. Yeah. It, it's, it is funny to watch, but no, it's, it's, it sucks with Branson Robinson because I think that anybody – that followed his recruitment, followed him in the national championship game a year ago, has seen him in a sleeveless shirt. Any of those three things, you want to see this kid on the field because he's yeah. a right, he's a freak of nature. I mean, he was putting up like so many, so many big runs in the national championship game, like untouched, like uh, like untouched oh, 20 yeah. touchdown runs and stuff like that. You already have the best offensive line in the country. Um, 
I, I think, yeah, you, you could you could say it puts more pressure on back, but you have a stable of backs no matter what. Like Milton, you don't need all of them healthy at the beginning of the year. Dejon Edwards is a guy that I love to watch. That kid runs so hard. He's so much totally fun. agree. Maybe maybe this is something that helps you get it going in the passing game a little bit more, and like working in the play action and, and being able to develop the receiving standpoint because you have some new guys there. But here's the thing too that I think that, that Georgia fans should take comfort in from this is like 2021. You talk about the injuries that like I know like that I and Bama fans brought up late in the year. Like one of the things that that isn't talked about enough is that Georgia was missing a lot of their starters throughout the year. But the benefit of it was George Pickens towards ACL in, in preseason camp, like in, in, in spring camp. So you knew going into the year, that's right. Hey, this is the, the, the obstacles we had to clear. It's much easier to have this be the incident, like in the in the beginning of the year, so you can start developing people. And then by the time you get to like the the November when you get challenged by Ole Miss and, and Tennessee, now you're already like a, a, a more developed, informed football team. You're going to be fine. You're not as um it's not as vulnerable as when it happens mid season, you, you, you know, for lack of a better term, you're not going to get caught with your pants down where you've yeah, been feeding a guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, where you're, where you're trusting a guy week in and week out in the game plan, then you lose him. Maybe the guy behind him is not really well versed with the game plan, you know, right. all that stuff. So you make up a good point. Kirby smart says, quote, it's not going to affect our run to pass ratio. We do have capable backs, but he was one of our better backs. When he was healthy last year, he was coming into his own. He was learning how to pass protect. He had a really good spring. We were really excited about where he was heading. You don't really hear Kirby, you know, as um, emotional, if you wanted to call it that, but complimentary. And I know this is devastating for a guy like Branson Robinson, but you have to remember Andrew Paul tore his ACL last August. So he's Mm -hmm. still trying to get to 100%. And then you go down the injury report, Smile Munden's dealing with a foot. Uh, Ernest Green left tackle and ankle. Lawson Lucky ankle. Kendall Milton hamstring. Kamari Lasseter foot. So look, rest up. They're supposedly yeah. getting into the UT Martin game plan Thursday or Friday of this week, and um, we'll see what the team looks like. 6 p.m. night game next Saturday night in San Francisco night game. against UT Martin. How about that? There you yeah, go. Yeah, well, I mean, just say it's Tennessee. And just for historical benefits later, just say, yeah, we played Tennessee at home at night and start the year. But I, I will say this last thing real quick about what why you should be comfortable on it is, like, there's not, a, there's not a coach in the country, specifically on defense, that rotates more guys to get meaningful reps throughout the entire year than Kirby Smart. And mm-hmm. I think that this is only going to add to that, and, and the defense will take – you're not going to miss a beat with, with what, what they're going to do. You're totally right. Uh, Chris Marler joins us on Punt and Pass from Saturday Down South, Saturday Football Uncensored Podcast. Go follow him at Vern Funquist on social media. Probably the biggest news, the Mm -hmm. biggest storyline in college football right now is the Swamp Kings documentary on Netflix um, covering 2005 to 2010 Florida football, Urban Meyer, I think the most misleading thing here is the series in which this documentary has been put into, which is the untold series on Netflix. And that moniker would tell you that we're going to learn something that we don't know. However, this documentary was a complete flop. Now, keep in mind, Chris, the teams that they were showing, those are the guys that I played against. And we got our asses beat by these teams. They were very, very good at football. Um, but you missed Murder. so many of the storylines completely just left out that yeah. we, the audience, wanted to see. Aaron Hernandez, Percy Harvin, Cam Newton, the Pouncey twins and their relationship 
with Aaron Hernandez. Urban Myers uh, on the home front. All the shit going on there, dude, nothing. Like, we know Florida lost games Urban Meyer's first year. Yeah. Florida had a lot of talent. We know they got great recruits. I don't want to see that again. What the hell was this? Yeah, I have so many thoughts on this. media propaganda. So, I don't – I should have looked this up, and I I don't know if this is true, but I've seen multiple people comment on it, so I'm going to lean towards assuming that that's what – that is true. But apparently the the producer or director or whoever put this together – was like, this is gonna sound bad, but like Urban not- Meyer's brother. I mean, like, right, who was it? Right. Just it was like, but it was somebody that's not from, I'll say, the southeast or the country yeah. that was like putting together a documentary, and it's a, it's a lot of like it's a, a really good topic to do it on, but not really well versed in anything that was like very important to it for one, and then two. Again, I'll give I'll give another shout out, Connor O'Gara. He he said this was a this was a championship DVD, like <laughs> that's like, great. That's, yeah, that's all it was. It's like, yes. like, like, okay, so, and, and here's what pissed me off. Like, 1999, free shipping and handling, and you get a commemorative football for ordering it. Yeah. I, I'm like, that's what this was. Getting, like, a VHS, like, suitcase when Bama won in 92. But no, so, like, so this this all, like, what pisses me off is when they, they first put it together and they were promoting it, and I was like, oh, what? Like, Swamp Kings. I watched the Johnny Manziel thing, and it was, and especially as somebody that's like pretty big into like mental health stuff, I was like, I could have watched that for three or four hours. Yeah. It was hour long. It seemed like it was very quick. And most of them are an hour long. So then we find out this is a four part, 45 minutes a piece. Like you think it's going to be remarkable content. And they put like the poster together and it's like Tebow. And then like there's Aaron Hernandez and Riley Cooper. And I knew when Riley Cooper was on there, I was a little bit like suspicious because I was like, he didn't get ever get into trouble in, in college. So like, what is the issue? But like Hernandez, obviously Cam Newton, like you brought up, there, there were so many storylines they missed. And you watched the first episode and it was like, okay, this is good. This is like behind the scenes. This is where some of this anger comes from. Pretty good expose on that, that, that 20 or 2005 game in Tuscaloosa where they got their ass beat. Yeah, Love that it. was. Um, but then like you go into the next one and you're like, okay, by the time we got to the 2007 season, I was so angry. Cause I was like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but None of us need to, none of us care about a nine and yeah, four. We don't care at all, at all, at the, all. Even in the 2009 season, there was like the story that they could have made with like Brandon Spikes and whatever. And, and Tebow, they were like, we were on the road against a Mississippi state team and we almost lost. And we're like, I don't give a shit. You didn't lose. Yeah. You won by double digits. No one remembers that game. And I'll tell you what, the worst part about it is this. I remember in, in the first four years he was there, they had 26 arrests. Everyone knows the stat by now. In 2008, they had 43 guys arrested out of like 120. But his first four years, they had 26 arrests. And it wasn't like, not in a rude way, but it wasn't like speeding tickets or, or like, you know, missing a court date. I remember reading like the whole list of them. There was one that was like, a starting safety or defensive back who was in trouble for credit card fraud because he was using his roommate slash teammates, dead girlfriend's gas card for months after she died. And then her mom got a bill in the mail and was like, who is charging like, you know, $2 yeah. worth of yeah, lead that's crazy. But none of it was touched at all. It was and like, I hate to say it. Tebow's a great guy. He, the moment he was like put into it, I was like, this is going to suck because they're, they're just gonna, like, imagine, imagine having all those characters and then, and then being like, you know what we should do? What if we made urban Meyer likable? Yeah. Like uh, you're hundred percent. Right. And I kind of liken it, but it's totally different. Hard knocks. Okay. Like Aaron Rodgers now is like the mm-hmm. babe, the boy. Oh, what a nice guy. He's like taking right. care of his teammates. He's very likable. He's laughing. He's affable. Like, they're not going to paint Aaron Rodgers right. in a bad light. The Jets are allowing NFL films. and That's just yeah. not how it happens. However, with this one, 
with the amount Urban Meyer's on there, you're like, well, wait a minute. Am I, this is intentional brainwash. Like, at what are point, we doing? At one point, he even said in the video, he said, he made some comment about how I was like, you know, I wasn't going to kick a player off the team because I had learned the lesson. And I knew where he was going with it beforehand because it was like a player he kicked off the team for blah, blah, blah. But when they were talking about it, he like, listen, I'm not making a joke here and, and trying to be funny, but the whole thing was he kicked a player off the team for domestic violence and that player died or killed himself or something a year later because he didn't have football in his life. And that is tremendously sad. But watching Urban Meyer sit here and have some like fake morality that he was clinging on to of saying, oh, domestic violence, we have a zero tolerance policy. Well, I'll tell you what, not with your coaching staff, you don't. Not at all. Because Zach Smith's wife sat there through three different locations. They didn't even touch that. I know. I, it made me so mad. It made me so mad. And then you know what, though? Also, last thing, Florida fans, now I kind of get it. If you're a Georgia fan, <laughs> I kind of get it. Because the the amount of like shit that they were talking about, like, oh, okay, haters are going to hate. Nobody's scared of Florida. Nobody's scared of Florida right now. Besides maybe cops and meth heads at Wawa. That's about it. And so like, if you're telling me that like, oh, man, like, like everyone liked it. No, you're the, it was only made for you guys. And that's fine. Maybe that's what it's supposed to be. But football fans hated it. I saw Ahmad Black. Uh, he was like, I, I hate Georgia. Now, let me just say a couple things. One, I know Ahmad Black. He's like yeah. one of the nicest guys ever. I know yeah. Major Wright. I see them Georgia Florida weekend every year. Major is an unbelievably awesome guy. Does tons of great charity work down in Florida still. I have so much fun with those guys. I was a rookie in Pittsburgh with Chris mm-hmm. Rainey. Chris Rainey's one of the funniest dudes ever. I know he had a little issue that wasn't covered as yeah. well. Chris is a very nice guy. I was teammates with Marquise Pouncey in Pittsburgh. Marquise Pouncey, one of the nicest guys. Marcus Gilbert, all these Florida guys got to play with them, got to know them. Of course, you you know get on each other about Georgia, Florida, but that brotherhood, that bond, yes, you hate each other. Yes, you make right. bets in the locker room when the game comes up the last weekend of October. Um, but there was a lot left to be desired within the documentary. Yeah. By, by not covering that, you're not saying, oh, these guys are terrible people and we should have yeah. covered the stories. They're good guys. They're, they're, they're nice guys. Right. We were all idiots in college. We all, all did us. dumb shit in college. Yeah. And when you're on one of the best college football teams in the country with an unprecedented run, like you want to see how those things were handled inside the facility. And they were, they were able to maintain greatness. Like and I just thought that I thought the they missed story. the boat on that. Yeah, I that know the whole story of like, like you, you are, listen, and people don't realize this. If you didn't play, like I played baseball in college. Not, I didn't play anywhere close to your level of like, it was D2 baseball. Not everyone in the locker room likes each other. You talk about the brotherhood and family, but it's a big place with a lot of people. Not everyone likes each other. And like, you know, I didn't like people. Cause like we dated the same girl or something. This is like, how do you have a virgin televangelist and a murderer? And like, exactly. That dynamic is unheard of. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, dude. It sucks that they missed the boat that bad. Yeah. Uh, And like Cam Newton, Cam Newton was at Florida, gets kicked out of Florida, goes to Juco, then goes to Auburn and has one of the greatest college football seasons of all time. They did not even... Did they even interview him? No. No. And also, like, I mean, how do you miss that? And he, they showed a highlight of him. And and think about this, because they talked about, like, up through 2009 and then 2010s when everything ended, Cam was at Auburn in 2010. This is how the whole thing started. Like, this is, there's so many pieces they missed. Yeah, dude. It's just crazy. 
So my, uh, we'll go on to the next topic because I want to get yep. your thoughts on Tennessee. You've been yes. in the throes on social media for your thoughts on Tennessee. So we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but my recruiting class, 2007, in the state of Georgia, Cam Newton, Eric Berry, mm-hmm. um, Alan Bailey was a big one. Josh yeah. Nesbitt went to Georgia Tech. And then my right? high school teammate, yeah, my high school teammate, Cam Hayward, who's still an all-pro with the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, think about that. Caleb King was the big five-star who ended up going to Georgia. Hard for high school. Rennie Curran is still a very close friend of mine. He was a big-time recruit as well. But Eric Berry commits to Tennessee. Alan Bailey commits to Miami. Um, Cam Newton commits to Florida. Florida. Uh, and Cameron Hayward, who we all thought was going to Georgia ends up committing to Ohio state. So George is left holding the bag, you know, literally oh. and figuratively. Okay. okay. They're like, we are not getting any of the top recruits right. in the state. And they were planning on it because this is back when you had your signing day, first Wednesday of February. Right. So I was begging for a scholarship. I had an offer from Duke and Wake Forest and all yeah. I wanted to do was go, go to Georgia. They were like, come walk on. I was like, I'm not, why would I forego a, a full ride? I'm not going to do that. Right. Well, my my close friend, high school teammate, Cam Hayward, man, he commits to Ohio State. I get a call like three days later. They're like, hey, Drew, we're going to offer you a full scholarship to Georgia. I'm like, yes. So <laughs> Thanks, I Cam. always tell Cameron Hayward, I'm like, thank you so much, Cam. Yeah. If you didn't go to uh, Ohio State, I probably would not go to Georgia. It's a little butterfly effect, a little minnow That's theory. It's funny how all that works out too. It's so funny. So that's just my story on that recruiting. But Cam Newton, like all those guys, my age, they were all there at the same time. Those yeah. sport teams that do, they were freaking kick ass. Well, and like did Rick say that he was like he wanted Newton to be a tight end? I think that is what I had always heard that they literally yeah. just recruited him as a tight end, and he was like, um, "No, I'm gonna go be a quarterback." Right. Right. So that's why he did not go to Georgia. All right. Let's um let's touch on your Tennessee thoughts because. I'm in agreement with you. Everybody is so fast to say Tennessee is going to be a world beater this year. Yeah. They had tons of success last year. My whole thing is this. They lost a lot. Um, yeah. Hennon Hooker should have been a Heisman finalist. I think they just didn't invite him for whatever reason. Cedric Tillman no longer there. Jalen Hyatt no longer there. Um, and you put out a video that I didn't even really recognize, but I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I said it in Monday's podcast. Tennessee's beaten Florida twice in 51 years in Gainesville, that is not an automatic W. So let me just bring out some notes. Please. This is who I am as a person. I always say this, and I, and I I know I joke around a lot and I talk a lot of shit, but like I always say, if we're going to talk about sports, we're going to talk about football, we're going to talk about anything. We're going to do it in reality. And like, I think that next year, Tennessee could be really good. They just got a five-star D end out of Alabama. They've got Nico there. Like they're, they're putting together incredible classes. See, people nowadays are too young to remember and you, you obviously remember this, but the Eric Berry stuff and playing against this this time period. But Tennessee was a national recruiting brand for a very long time. Oh, they had a football in California. A huge Hawaii. college football power. Huge. Absolutely. And, and they, they would bring in people from all over the country constantly. Because it's not like Tennessee is a huge hotbed, even in the Southeast, let alone the country, for recruits. But when you talk about consistency, and this is this is why I'm not I'm not saying they're going to be bad at all. Like nobody is last year. But but that's the problem, Drew. That's the problem. But no one is saying anything except for Tennessee's back. And I think for their fans, you want to, you want to believe that. And maybe they are, maybe they are. But when you look at what they lost, think about some of the things that we say about, I don't know, I'll throw out Alabama. When you lose 
offensive playmakers at the skill positions, or you lose a quarterback that should have been a Heisman finalist, or you lose, I don't know, a, a starting left tackle in the first round. Or you both coordinators. That. Right. You, yeah. you lost you lost two receivers in the NFL, including the Blitnikoff winner. You lost a first-round left tackle, a first-round left tackle. Mm-hmm. And then the guy who, and people don't want to hear this, but statistically speaking, is the greatest quarterback Tennessee has ever had, yeah. even better than Peyton Manning. And now with this offense, it's like you're going to put up numbers. It's without a doubt you're going to put up numbers. Joe Milton's going to put up a lot of yards. And, and this, that's what a hypo offense does. But a lot of this is predicated on downfield passing and downfield accuracy with the passing. And we don't know if he's done that. We, we, we've seen one game where he's been great. He was good in backup in, as a backup last year. He's lost two starting jobs, including one at Tennessee. I, I, I've said this, and yes. Why is that being just forgotten? Because he had one good game in the Orange Bowl? Because he, he can throw the ball, a ball 80 yards. yards. It, it is, it's like a steroid era like confusion of like, hey, Mark McGuire's a great baseball player. Mark McGuire's a great home run hitter. That's like <laughs> yeah. that's about it. And so, like, you look at the numbers, and this is what I I, I want to look at when I'm like, okay, well, let's look at from a consistency standpoint, because the three biggest games are Bama, Tennessee, and or Bama, Florida, and Georgia. The one that looks like the easiest to win is Florida. We'll circle back to that. Mm-hmm. Alabama, you have to go to Tuscaloosa. Huge revenge factor. Huge revenge factor. Yeah. And their fans know that's coming. When is the last time, you might not know this off the top of your head, when is the last time Alabama has lost to teams in in back-to-back seasons, the same team in back-to-back seasons? 2010, 2011, LSU. Okay, there you go. And LSU played for a national championship. Yeah, a great team. Right. So, and and that's what I'm saying here, too. And I said it last year in that video that went viral with Georgia fans, which was like, this whole thing about Tennessee being 2019 LSU, you're not. You're a great team with a great story and, and a great program. You're not 2019 LSU. And, and this year, maybe you're going to be good. The East isn't like, I don't think it's full of world beaters necessarily. Um, you get A&M out of the West. Like the schedule is okay. But I tell you what, like. That game is idea. in Knoxville, A&M? Yeah, the week okay. before they play Bama. Um, the, the, the whole assumption that you're going to beat Bama. You're 2-16 in the last 18 games uh, against Alabama. The two wins are by a total of six points. You're one in sixteen in your last last or one in fifteen in your last sixteen with the win in, on the last play of the game by three points a year ago, right? Um, only two of the fifteen losses were by single digits. Fifteen losses were by an average of twenty six points per game, and Bama put up forty or more in ten of the last yeah. sixteen. That's I mean, it's Bama. not even competitive in the no. last twenty years. Now look at Georgia; they're two and eleven since two thousand ten. Uh, or since one the, was the Josh Georgia. Dobbs Hail Mary. Two wins yeah. by ten total points, one by three, one by seven. One was the the, the Dobnail boot game. Your losses are by combined 22.8 points per game over that, that time period. You've scored over 20 points once in your last six losses against Kirby because Kirby's won six in a row since that. Or you scored over 20 once. You can make the argument that last year was the biggest, like that wasn't even the biggest uh, difference, like point differential, but it was the most dominating game because of what Georgia did. Yes. They've, Kirby, they've lost six in a row to Kirby by an average of 26 points per game. Now let's get to Florida where everyone's just assuming this is a dub. Against these three teams combined since 2010, you are combined five and hold on. I got to add this up now in my head. Five and 34 against the, these three teams. You're five and 34 against these, these three teams. I already told you the point differential in all these. Florida, you're two and 16 in their last 18 games against them. Since 2010, two and 11. One by 10 and by five points total. Your losses are by three scored by 17 points. And then the number that just blew my mind. If you're talking about this Tennessee team is going to go down to the swamp, no matter how bad we think Florida is, and just go down there and beat them, Tennessee has won two games in the swamp in the last 51 years. <laughs> okay, and this game is at 7 p.m. That. It's a night game in the swamp, September 16th. 
Your 3.30 SEC CBS game is South Carolina at Georgia. It'll roll you right into Tennessee at Florida in the swamp, 7 p.m. And Florida plays Utah next week. If they win that game in Salt Lake, I think it's going to be a tough one. Cam Rising's back. Utah's tough out there. Like, if Florida wins that game, it's going to be three overs or two and overs, two and oh. Um, and Dude, if they lose it, it's a must win. Of course, of course. And here's the thing, too, that people aren't talking about with Tennessee's schedule. You look at September. I've said this, and I got a lot of heat for it. I don't think that they're going to lose this game. But the way the schedule sets up, we all assume they're going to be either undefeated or at least like by the time they get to Bama or 5-0 in September. Those last three games of September, at Florida, home against, um, what is it, like UTEP? Um, UTSA. UTSA, my bad. Shout out McGruber. Nation. So – you have a game against against at you're at Florida. You have UTSA at home, and then you have South Carolina at home. South Carolina ran out of fireworks last year, literally when they were playing you because they scored so many times. I know. So that's your revenge game. Yeah. In sandwich in between there, you have an 11 win team from a year ago with UTSA that's returning a seventh year starter at quarterback. So are you saying that game could be close too? I think it's going to be like a like within two scores. <laughs> now you're losing me, but I, I agree. I agree. Look, it's just. The 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 here's what you're saying on the whole. Everybody is just assuming that Tennessee is going to be this world beater this year, and I just I don't, don't see it. it. They've lost a lot. They've lost a lot, most yeah. notably their quarterback. So, look, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Their Vegas win total is nine wins. Like it's right there. It's not that's ten and a half. Today. It's not eleven. It's nine and a half, and that's with a schedule built in Georgia and Bama. So you're telling me they're you're just going to go unscathed the rest? Of, get out. That is like the 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 hammer just thor's yeah. hammer yeah dwayne the lock johnson that like the entire season right now okay what about chris doring saying he thinks alabama's gonna go nine and three this year i yeah. i again i think that i think the demise of alabama has been yeah. greatly exaggerated i'm I, not buying lsu like everybody is and i'm not buying people doubting alabama like and again i think the general sentiment of the college football public is alabama's gonna be great but all the you know, big J journalists, the talking heads are just, I think they're all over LSU. And that surprises oh, yeah. me. I, I had a, I was on the radio the other day in Atlanta and, and I Garrett Chapman, I love him to death. He's on 929 the game. Yeah. And he made a comment. He was like, I don't think we're talking enough about LSU. And I was like, no, we've been talking about LSU all off season. They're top Everybody five. Everybody is. Everyone. And like the only thing I knew what he meant. They might lose the Florida state in week one. Remember, I'm saying, here's what, here's what cracks me about the revisionist history and, and, and just being a prisoner of the moment is, you look at the last season, right? And this is this is what I like. Like I've said this all often about LSU. They played Florida State and they lost Florida State. If you watch that game, they got dominated by Florida State for three and a half quarters. Florida State was up by seven, goes into the, the about to score, and they fumble on the one yard line. LSU drives length of field. Obviously, they lose by one point. As soon as they start, they start getting it rolling later in like October. It was like, man, we should have beat Florida State. Our record should be this. And it's like, well, no, you got dominated in that game for you know for like fifty five minutes. Then they go beat Bama, and again, that was their sixth win against Alabama at home since the Eisenhower administration. That's a real stat, and they did it by one point in the last play of the game. Hats off yeah. to them, great win. But where I can't get, I can't get away from is if you're if you're LSU, and we all talk about how, like, their entire resume going into this year and the excitement built around what they did. You could say it's because they won the SC West. You could say it's because they put up thirty in garbage time against or against Georgia. But really what it is, all of it's built off the fact is they beat Bama the year before. So now going into this year, taking another step forward, obviously, in year two, you're going to beat Bama, right? If I just if I just told you 
just described this like a year prior. And I told you, hey, there's a team that finished with like four losses, but they beat Bama at home on the last play of the game. Like, and they had a great recruiting class. They've got a coach that's been to a national championship before. What could go wrong? Now, I'm not saying they're going to go five and seven, but if that's not Texas A&M in purple and gold, I don't know what is. Look, this is probably a very boring podcast for our listeners because I'm agreeing with you on everything. Um, <clears throat> but we're simpatico in these thoughts. You just mentioned Texas A&M. Any chance they do something special this year? And then quickly, you talked, you touched really briefly on Kentucky earlier. Mm-hmm. Could Kentucky, in an alternate universe, finish second in the SEC East? Devin Leary, transfer quarterback from NC State. We just talked about Tennessee maybe yeah. hitting a couple of road bumps. Talk to me about A&M and Kentucky. Okay, real quick, and I know I did, I've done this on every single topic you've given me. It's, this has been way too long-winded, like I always am, and I apologize. But Bama is, I, I, I'm firmly with you. They could go 9-3, and three, but the whole idea that the dynasty is dead and this whole demise, I think it's greatly over-exaggerated. Defense is going to be great this year. Offensive line and running backs going to be as deep as they've had in five or six years. I think they're going to be really good there. Um, and they get everyone at home. I think they lose to Texas, and I still think they go 11 you think You do think they lose to Texas? I think they lose by 10-plus points to Texas. Because Come on. Do you really? Here's why. Nobody's better wow. on Spielman Clark, and he's got dudes there. They return all five offensive linemen. He's got he's got five stars over a receiver. He's Liam, we're going to have to cut this one up. Hammy, we're cutting this one up and putting it on social media. Okay, that's fine. But but you want me to tell you why? Or like we, I can, I can hurry it up. So you you have Quinn Ewers at quarterback in his second year, who's the, the highest-rated quarterback in the history of recruiting services, right? Then you have five off all five starting offensive linemen that are coming back. You have Xavier Worthy at receiver, who's been the best receiver in the Big 12, one of the top in the country over the last many, however many years. Jatavian Sanders, who, if you don't know him, if you just go scroll down by one number from the second best tight end prospect in this year's NFL draft, that's who it is. We talk about Brock Bowers at nauseum because he's so great. This is the next guy. He's going to be a top 20 pick and, and go in the NFL draft this year. You've got other five stars. You get A.D. Mitchell at another receiver yeah. spot. So on script, if you're on script, which Sark is great on script and he's great when he has dudes, I just don't see how with you don't think that moment's too big for the Texas Longhorns because no. it's going to be an electric factory in Tuscaloosa. What happened in the first drive of the game last year? Yeah, I mean, look, that's at home. I, I get it. I get it. You're walking into the Lions, then, dude. I'm just yeah. telling you, game day will be there, right? I would assume. Um, um, probably, it's gonna be live. So, I just think they're going to leave the first quarter. 10-plus points. I, I, it's, it sets up in a way that where, in my opinion, you're going to leave the first quarter down 14-3. Like, I think you're going to be down two scores at some point, and I, I, we don't know enough about Bama's quarterback situation. Yeah. Just my, my prediction. Okay, A&M, tell me about your Trino quarterback that's not been good. I, I Look, and I don't know why Jimbo waffled on the is Petrino calling plays question right. at SEC meetings. Be like, yes, that's why we yeah. hired him. He's <laughs> so really good at like, that. Everybody that's like close to the situation says that he is calling the plays. I don't trust Jimbo's ego enough to say that he's going to have like total hands off <laughs> approach to it. But Connor Wegman's a former five star. You've got arguably like the, the best one, two punch at receiver. It's probably top three or five in the conference. Um, you know, Stewart is, is, an, is an animal at receiver um, going into the sophomore year. You get an I Smith back. The defense was, was really good. I mean, they, they've got, they've got NFL dudes all across the D and the D line. And, yeah. And they stay healthy. Dudes. They got banged up bad last year. Real bad. Them did. Yeah. And all those guys are young. So I think, I think they'll be really good. I think, I think they, they're a nine to 10 win team. And I think the same about Kentucky, man. Like, really? You think for, Kentucky can get nine to 10? I know you don't like Kentucky. I forgot about that. Until I, right. that that's just, yeah, you're right about that. I don't like Kentucky, <laughs> but like, 
I remember, I remember us doing the first interview we did was a preview of that game, and I'd never seen get someone. I've never seen someone get so fired up to talk shit about Kentucky besides you. <laughs> about That's me. That, that, that is me. You. Yes. Yes. So, so like looking at Kentucky, you lose Will Levis, who was a projected first round pick, goes in the second round. Like it's hard to improve at that position. Like, Yet they did. Did like tenfold. Like yes, that that guy was a was a oh a liability at best at times, especially when you don't need a turnover. Devin Leary is a guy that has 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions in his freshman year. Like now you get Liam Cohen back, who was when they had the great offense two years ago and they won 10 games. He's now back. The offensive line should be better because they, they didn't lose three guys in the NFL like they did last year. Yeah. They were their top five pass catchers. Like they're, they're going to be good. And Phil Steele writes, this is a rare occasion where a team loses a second round draft pick at quarterback and actually improves. That's what he's talking that? about. Yeah, it's right here. I'm reading it. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I think it's true. And I think that like they're going to return to a little bit more of like what Kentucky does best, which is play tough defense and and be more physical up front. Yeah, and run the ball, great offensive yeah. line play. Yeah, exactly. I totally yep. I just think that they have enough like like Cohen. We just lose sight of how difficult it is to win games. Like, and, and I'll circle it back to, to the team that you played for and, and have like obviously a huge audience with is like, think about how good Georgia was last year. Maybe one of the best teams of all time. You're a Malachi Starks tackle at Mizzou away from a, a, a blemish on the regular season. You're a fourth quarter comeback away from not being Ohio state and getting to the national championship. And they were able to do all that, but it's very hard to win national championships yeah, and, and, they, and and they will have those games again this year yeah. it's it's unrealistic to expect 50 point blowout wins week in and week out exactly. i was talking with our intern hammy about this uh on our monday podcast he mentioned hey the one thing that people probably don't really appreciate about stetson yet because you haven't missed it was his resilience in game Take yeah. the alabama national championship game for example the crazy fumble play everybody's like down and out Ho-hum, next drive, A.D. Mitchell, bomb, touchdown. Like, Stetson was able to have that short-term memory loss. How will Carson do in those moments? Because it's going to happen. And shit, it might happen week three against South Carolina. If they go three and out punt, three and out punt, fumble, and it's not Carson's fault, um, people are going to get really, really anxious very quickly. How does he respond? So you make up – you bring up a great point. I – I will say too that, that we don't talk about this enough, but it's still one of the greatest in-game coaching decisions I've ever seen in college football. Of like watching it for 37 years is you are down to Alabama in the fourth and you're in, you're in that all too familiar position of like, what the hell else? Here we go. Coming? Yeah. Here we go again. again. I, listen, I love Graham coffee to death dog out West. Great dude on Twitter. I remember him tweeting during like during the commercial break might be time to bring in JT Daniels. Oh God, but like you had every opportunity to run the football, to take the ball out of Setson's hand, bring in somebody. What you go four straight plays all through the air, four plays. I think he had one pass interference, which is probably deserved. And you go four or four plays for seventy-two yards, all all passes, all completed, touchdown to win the national championship. It, like it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen from like from somebody that was doubted nonstop. Mainly yeah, I mean that's that that's like that just goes back to the Hollywood story like this mm-hmm. should be made into a movie type stuff. Yeah. As painful as that is and nauseating for non-Georgia fans yeah, to I don't hear, see it. Like that <laughs> like hopefully they cover it the right way. Let's just make no, sure I Netflix hope they do it doesn't like make it. and they yeah. give them a college degree while they're at it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Uh chatting with Chris Marler from Saturday on South. 
Uh, love talking to you. We, yeah. We're going to keep this going. I got one more uh, topic that I want to cover with you. Follow Chris on social media at Vern Funquist. This episode of Punt and Pass is presented to you by the New Look Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app. All new look. It's sick. They're getting ready for football season, college football season underway this weekend. The week zero college football board is live. And if you download the app and use the promo code PUNT, you get a 100% deposit match up to your first $100. Caleb Williams, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. His total Mm -hmm. rush yards this weekend against San Jose State, 28 and a half rushing yards. Now keep in mind, college quarterbacks sacks count against their rushing yards okay this is going over caleb williams is going to put on a show saturday night take me over 28 and a half rushing yards caleb williams sam hartman i mentioned to you 260 and a half passing yards i would have to assume i know tommy reese is no longer the offensive coordinator there but with sam hartman transferring from wake forest to now be at the helm of notre dame chris they better air it out. Like you take advantage of this guy's skill set. I would think that Notre Dame's talent at the wideout position should be able to expose Navy secondary. Yeah, I'll go over Sam Hartman, 260 and a half passing yards. What and then here's the that? best one. Ready? Stick yeah. with me here. This is my prize picks three piece. I'm cooking up a three piece for this weekend. Love it. I'll post it on my social media at Drew Butler and at Punt and Pass. Hank Bachmeyer. We all remember yes. him. Four-year starter at Boise State. He has Mm -hmm. transferred to Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech air raid offense. Hank Bach, I've never seen this before. His prop for rushing yards is negative one-half yard. Okay? Negative (laughs) a half rushing yards. Now, I had to do some research. Okay? He played in four games last year before he got injured. Week one, he had negative six rushing yards. Week two, he had negative 10 rushing yards. Again, these are sacks. Week three, he had negative 18 rushing yards. This is at Boise State. Then in week four, he starts trending in the right direction. He has eight rush yards. So this weekend, to bring home the three-piece on prize picks, we're going over Hank Bachmeyer, negative a half a rushing yard. Just stay at zero or get one yard. Okay. And before before anyone even says anything about my friend Drew here being a degenerate, it's not being a degenerate. It's called dedication. It's this a different is, yeah. D word. You're exactly correct. I know. Right? So we're going over Caleb Williams, 28 and a half rushing yards. Over Sam Hartman, 216 and a half passing yards. And to bring it home at 9 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, Florida International is taking on Louisiana Tech. We're going to stay up late and hope. Yeah. That we don't just get a demoralizing late sack that doesn't mean anything. Right. Hank Bachmeyer over negative one half rushing yard. That's your it. DB three piece on Prize Picks for this weekend. Download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PUNT. You get a one hundred percent deposit match up to your first one hundred dollars. How locked in are you going to be for Week Zero? We do have some SEC action. Hawaii's yeah. taking on Vanderbilt seven thirty p.m. in Nashville on SEC Network, and then. Top 10 ranked USC, the Trojans, reigning mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Nobody will be able to watch it because it's on Pac-12 Network. That is They're unreal. playing San Jose State at 8 p.m. That is. And, and, and here and here is your primetime ESPN game. You that, exactly. Read this. UMass against New Mexico State, 7 p.m. from Las Cruces, New Mexico on ESPN. I wouldn't watch How that. How on earth? 
How does that happen? I zero clue. Like that is like, unless we are like that, that sounds like some sort of weird political thing from like 1842. Like we're just trying to fight for territory or something. Cause that sounds <laughs> awful. Like, like that is UMass is the worst team in the country. So UMass again, call me degenerate or call me dedicated. I believe they're an eight point underdog. Could there be value there? I don't know. They, oh, uh, they, they do travel to Auburn in week two. So watch out for the Minutemen. No, Starting don't. in New Mexico State, week zero action. New Mexico State, who I'm pretty sure also the Aggies. They're like the third Aggie team or something. They are. Okay. They, they are, I, they're awful. Like these are, this is like a relegation game. Dude, dude. UMass, I'm looking at UMass's schedule from last year. We're going deep cuts now on podcast. Yeah, I love this. Looking at 2022 UMass. 1-11. and 11. Mm-hmm. They lost to Army 44-7 to last week of the season. Uh, they got blanked by Temple 28 to nothing. Tough to do. Texas A&M only beat them 20-3, to so they showed a little life in a college station. That's UMass? Yeah. yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah, and then uh, Stony Brook. They beat Stony Brook 20-3 to to get off the schneid in week three. So, look, you know. Dude, they had the worst offense in the entire country. But they will have- you watch them? Will you watch them yeah, take on New Mexico times. State? You absolutely will, right? Do you, know, do you know how many points per game they scored a year ago? No. Without looking, I would have to say, uh, I mean, I just saw some 13 and a half points. 12 and a half. Yeah. So that's bad. Um, that's yeah, bad. Real, real Navy bad. at Notre Dame live from Dublin, Ireland, 2.30 p.m. on NBC. UTEP, that's the MacGruber School, University right. of Texas, El Paso. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Not UTSA, as I said earlier. Yeah. Uh, they're taking on Jacksonville State. So, look, we have eight games. I'm so mad USC is not on ESPN. Like, that's such a joke. It's such an encapsulation of why the Pac-12 is folding right, right before our eyes. I, I will say this. If you're talking about from a betting standpoint, the best win I had the entire year last year was in week zero for the Vandy Hawaii game. Cause I bet 15, I was on Hawaii. So I lost. Oh, I was, I was on whole, I was on Vandy, but my, my big bet was over. Th- it's two of the worst defenses in the country. I, like even this week, I'm taking Notre Dame 20 and a half to cover that Vandy covering 18. Va- or Notre Dame. So you, you're going to lay it with Vanderbilt. I saw him at 17 yeah. and a half. You like that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take Notre Dame full game and first half, and then I'm going to take the over in Vandy, Hawaii as well, because Vandy and Hawaii had the 123rd and 125th ranked defenses last year in scoring defense. But I had I had over 13 and a half first quarter for Vandy and Hawaii last year. It was seven nothing, and and Hawaii had the Bumble. ball interception return for a touchdown. That's right. That's right. I remember watching zero that. time left in the first quarter. That's and right. I, was like, I remember watching that. I was I was losing it. I was losing it. So yeah, I, I, there's like I'll watch it because it looks. Here's the deal. I would watch a bis a Bishop Sycamore scrimmage right now. Of course, football. Dude. And, and if you're a real like a like a big big football fan, and if you're a Georgia fan that follows recruiting, or somebody it's like from another school that really gets held in on recruiting, there's also some really good high school football on on ESPN all yeah, day. There is. And if you're in Atlanta on Peachtree TV, uh, Channel Eight and Channel Seventeen, so you're 100 yeah. percent right on that. Uh, Vanderbilt beat Hawaii in Honolulu last year, 63 to 10. People forget Vanderbilt won five yeah. games last year. Mm-hmm. They beat Florida, and they beat yeah. Kentucky. So. Single file walk, storm the field. Still one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> and dude, what a sight to be seen um, on SEC Network because that end zone is demolished, and they're playing yeah. a football game. Uh, so that will be funny to see. But uh, yeah. 
It's week zero. I texted you when we were confirming our time tonight. I am so ready for football yeah, man. to start. Please make it happen. And what a great way to ring in the season with my man Chris Marler from Saturday Down South. Be sure to check out, subscribe, follow the podcast, Saturday Football Uncensored with Chris and Tyler. Two shows a week? One show a week? What yeah, are two doing? shows a week. So usually we go live on Sunday and re- uh, Sweet. recap games, and then um, Wednesday we do like a preview show. I'll tell you what's fun, too. If you if you listen, and I always say if you if you hate the bleep button and you love football, you will love what we do. on. Yeah, like, you guys are great. Yeah, you guys I, are great. I appreciate it. But we we have a we have a it is uncensored. If anybody that watched the video last year where I was talking about the Georgia Tennessee pregame that I admittedly nailed, there were 17 f bombs and two and a half. <laughs> minutes. So it's like Good. you it, drove it, your point home. I did, I did. But yeah, the, we we do a live show and we have a we have a call in line uh, for drunk fans on Saturday to call in and we play all those. Is that new or was that last year too? We, we did it last two years, but like last year we kind of like tailed off a little bit with it, but this yeah. year we're going to bring it back. It should be Dude, fun. I'm going to call in. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. But yeah, do you it. guys are uncensored. Look, yeah. people, if you're listening, if you want a friend, buy a dog. All right. If you want to be entertained and get knowledge about college football, listen to Punt and Pass and listen to Saturday Football Uncensored. Yeah. And follow Chris on social media at Vern Funquist and follow us at Punt and Pass at Drew Butler at From Jake puntandpass.com and follow Prize Picks as well at Prize Picks, the best daily fantasy game in the entire industry. If you download the Prize Picks app, you use the promo code PUNT, you get a 100% deposit match up to your first $100. It just gave you the DB3 piece that's going to cash this weekend. We're going to get off to a very hot start. Caleb right. Williams rush yards, Hank Bachmeyer rush yards, shout out Hank and Sam Hartman pass yards over all three. That's it. Prizepicks.com at prizepicks. Download the app. Use the promo code punt. Chris, thank you so much, my man. I really appreciate it. Of course, it. dude. I will talk to you soon. Absolutely. And everybody else, we will talk to you next week. See you. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. 
Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.